0: Hello and welcome to the Switch Your Money On podcast from Hargreaves Lansdowne. I'm Susanna Streeter. I'm the Senior Investment and Markets Analyst here at Hargreaves Lansdowne. And as usual, I'm with Sarah Coles, our Senior Personal Finance Analyst, who was disappointingly absent from our podcast Christmas party. Sarah, what happened to you? I know, I'm sorry. It's just ridiculously
1: difficult to leave the house at the moment when the kids are constantly unwell or sitting exams. So I just sat at home with a mince pie feeling very sorry for myself. It was absolutely no concern that I'm not alone and that so many people are missing out on going out at the moment what with so much illness doing the rounds and people keeping an eye on their spending and of course the train strikes
0: yes we're increasingly likely to order something in or celebrate solo which is making life incredibly hard for the hospitality industry for whom this time of year is so important and that's what we'll be talking about in this episode of the podcast which we're calling not going out
1: Yes, we'll be looking at the trials of the hospitality sector and Sophie Lundiates, our lead equity analyst at HL, will
2: be talking about some of the listed stocks in the sector. So Sophie, it's not all bad news, is it? Hi, Sarah. No. So I'll be talking about Whitbread, which has some things going in its favour, and US brand Texas Roadhouse, which has been benefiting from the mid-range restaurant sector holding up better in the States. So certainly not all bad news. Good to hear.
0: We'll also be talking to Gaia Cionini, who's Creative Marketing Manager of Ping Pong, a London restaurant chain serving handmade dumplings, buns and crispy dim sum, which has branched out to ready to steam dumplings at home, so it can benefit from people eating in as well as out. Gaia, it sounds like a very busy time for you then at the moment.
3: Hi, hello everyone. Uh, It is a pretty busy moment for now on the online shop, but as well in the restaurants, we have seen a lot of people transitioning back to eating at home. So it's evening out, let's say. It'll be great to catch up with you later in the podcast. We'll also
1: be hearing from Emma Wall, our Head of Investment Analysis and Research, who's been talking to Anna Farnborough at Asset
0: Manager 91. And as usual, we'll have the quiz and I've tracked down some lesser known facts about hospitality for you to tuck into later. I bet you can't wait. Well, I'm not sure my appetite's up for it, but I'll give it a go. Good. But first, we have plenty to get our teeth into with the hospitality sector at the moment. The latest set of statistics from the Office for National Statistics showed that it had the highest proportion of firms reporting concern for their business, with 93% of firms worried about what December will bring. Part of the problem is, of course, people cutting back on non-essentials, which means. Almost half of us plan on eating out less. This in itself rings alarm bells for the sector, but it's just one of a host of pressures they're under right now.
1: Yes, and staff wages are rising too. So the same ONS statistics show that more than one in five accommodation and food businesses had raised wages in October. This is partly because staff are so thin on the ground. So overall, a third of businesses with more than 10 staff have been experiencing a shortage of workers. But this rises to 47% in hospitality. And at the same time, they face the rising cost of energy. A report for the British Beer and Pub Association warned that the end of energy bill support in April would mean pubs make a loss on average of 20%. And statistics from the ONS showed that food and hospitality businesses were the most likely to have cut trading because of energy costs.
0: Plus, there are higher food costs as well. The food service price index shows that the price of food supplies to restaurants is up. A fifth in a year. Core products for hospitality like meat, fish, vegetables and fruits are now all up between 16% and 19% in a year. And then of course there are the strikes. Some 16% of accommodation and food businesses were hit by industrial action in October, the second most affected sector after retail, wholesale and the motor trade. And with many more strikes expected in the run up to Christmas the action will cause fresh ripples of worry for companies. Analysis by UK Hospitality showed that rail strikes will cost the sector one and a half billion on strike days, similar to the disruption from the Omicron variant last year. It said the sector had already seen mass cancellations as a result. And I tell you what, after looking into all of this, I'm mightily pleased that I booked a Christmas dinner down the pub this year. (laughs) Yes, I suppose they need all the support they can get
1: even from your rabble of a crowd. So, there are lots of pressures on the industry right now. So, it seems like a good time to bring in our lead equity analyst, Sophie Lund Yates, who has the lowdown on some of the companies affected by these pressures.
0: Sophie, there are certainly challenges for the hospitality sector and habits are changing, but
2: that doesn't mean all corners of the industry are struggling, does it? Hi, Susanna definitely not. So while there are certainly some big challenges out there and it will be difficult as people rein in spending, some areas are set up to stand strong in the current environment. So Whitbread owns Premier Inn and I have to admit I've been really impressed by the work Premier Inn has put into its brand and proposition. So things like Premier Inn Hub, which offer convenient compact rooms currently in London and Edinburgh, which are geared up for young travellers and workers. So hubs are by no means the main part of the group's hotels but i think they show how premier Inn has the ability to adapt and change now in a time when consumer sentiment is subdued the group's in a better position than other more expensive chains in my opinion it's no nonsense approach offers value per room and is a driver behind whitbread's financial performance in the first half of the financial year so this was driven by a strong rebound at premier Inn as meetings and events returned to both the uk um, and the small but faster growing german operation as well Whitbread sees a potential ceiling of 125,000 rooms compared to current capacity of 82,700 in the UK and Ireland. I'd say that Premier Inn will need to pedal harder to sustain growth in the UK, particularly as economic headwinds mount. Um, Premier Inn has a much smaller footprint in Germany and there are over 7,000 rooms in the pipeline, which would see the German estate double in size. Now, Whitbread's aiming to become the number one budget operator in Germany. About 60% of rooms in Germany are run by private hotels. So we think there's opportunity for an experienced hotelier like Premier Inn to establish a foothold. Um, But what I would say is with Germany likely to enter a recession in 2023, it could still be a bumpy ride. So that's
0: Whitbread. Let's look at the fortunes of pub chains and Young & Co in particular.
2: Yes, so Young's is responsible for over... 200 mid to higher end pubs across London and the south of England. Um, And at the half year mark, we found out that like-for-like sales are actually up 5.5% on pre-pandemic trading, which is a real achievement. One of Young's main assets is that its estate is predominantly freehold. So that means it owns rather than rents its premises by and large. That came as the group made the decision to sell down its tenant model business, um, which was the right move in my view. And having a freehold estate strengthens the balance sheet, reduces lease payments and also acts as an attractive asset for more favourable borrowing terms. So excluding leases, the group has current debt of £96 million with plenty of breathing room on its available facilities. So ultimately, I think Young's is an attractive business, well placed for the long term. Although I would say that with a recession looming here in the UK and people's socialising habits going through change, as we've been talking about, there could be some short term challenges ahead. So that's Young's. Clearly, short term challenges
0: really front and centre. But let's move on to Texas Roadhouse. Would you say it's a slightly different story?
2: Yes, a slightly different one um, to finish off with this week. As we've been hearing, there are certainly some tough changes happening in hospitality in the UK, but there are some interesting trends happening across the pond. Now, I hope no one's hungry because I'm going to talk about a US barbecue restaurant giant called Texas Roadhouse. So the steak and rib specialist has over $1 billion in revenue each quarter alone, with a reasonably low proportion of sales coming through as takeouts. Now, that tells me that sit-down dining is still very much alive. Um, The US is especially geared up to this because of the spread out nature of its hospitality You know apart from major cities you usually have to drive to get to your favourite bar or restaurant Now the latest round of job data from the US was positive Which showed that the labour market is still tight And and adds weight to the idea that US spending power is being propped up for now And that directly helps mid-range restaurants like this Restaurant margins are coming under pressure from inflation. The scale of food needed to serve one billion dollars worth of, of custom each quarter certainly doesn't come cheap in today's climate. With that said, I'm not I'm not overly concerned, you know, I don't view it as an insurmountable problem. Um and including its operating lease obligations, Texas Roadhouse does have quite a bit of debt. Again, this isn't an enormous problem, but it would be something to consider if demand were to wane in a big way.
0: Okay, Sophie, thank you very much. Some really interesting companies to keep an eye on. Just a reminder, this is not advice for a recommendation to buy, sell or hold any investment and no view is given on the present or future value or price of any investment and investors should form their own view on any proposed investment. Of course, one ray of light for some businesses has been to branch out into experience. A third of them took this step during lockdown and despite more than half initially planning for it to be temporary, around a third of shoppers said they still wanted this kind of service in the future – well essentially, people eat in at home on restaurant food fair. So this is a good time to bring back in Gaia from ping Pong because of course it's added to its hospitality business with a dining at home range. Welcome back, Gaia. Can you tell me a little bit more about your business?
3: So um, Pimple restaurants have been around for over 16 years. We have six restaurants in central London in key locations, Covent Garden, South Bank, Carnaby Street, etc. We are serving dim sum and cocktails and we are in the casual dining sector.
0: What made you decide to expand into eating at home?
3: Uh, We came up with the idea during the first lockdown back in March 2020, uh, when all our venues were shut due to pandemic. We were just operating with one of the sites for takeaway and delivery. And since the demand for home deliveries has seen a, a substantial growth, in that period uh, we came up with the idea of uh, developing a cook at range since we take away and home delivery we could only operate in the london area we found uh, a way to go nationwide so um, our restaurant dim sum is uh, daily produced in a central kitchen and shipped fresh to our restaurants in London, so the setup was already there. It was just a matter of adapting to online retail, finding a courier partner and educate the consumer how to cook it at home.
0: So how is it going? Do you feel that you've been particularly well-placed given, of course, the fact that uh, rail strikes have disrupted some of the trade in the run-up to Christmas. Is is that your experience?
3: Yes, it is. Uh, we've been, obviously, our restaurant business has been disrupted by the strikes. But yeah, delivery business uh, has seen a bit of growth in this period because people are ordering in a lot more and uh, and and to cook at home as well yeah so when people are coming to your restaurants is it
1: sort of the opportunity to kind of you know let their hair down or are you finding people are sort of spending less when they go out as well
3: Obviously, everyone is looking at their wallets a bit more. They're watching it. We had to come up with more uh, affordable packages. This year for Christmas, uh, you can have a set meal for £35 when last year the set menus were 50 and over.
1: And one of the things we were sort of talking about earlier with these sort of rising costs of things like energy and things like staff costs, are those things that you've got to keep a close eye on as well?
3: Yes, of course. Uh, energy costs, we use a lot of energy, obviously, for our production. And uh, as uh, you were saying before, uh, wages going up, cost of living, and yeah, everything has had an impact on our business. Do you think
0: takeaways might alleviate some of those costs, given that you don't, for example, have to warm up your customers as well as the buns, if you're delivering those buns to be heated at home?
3: Yeah, absolutely. This alleviates the costs. The items that we are selling online are 30 to 40% cheaper than the restaurant price because there is no service and uh, all the additional costs attached to it. So it it is beneficial for us. And what kind of marketing are you doing to, to get the message out? We're doing a lot of uh, influencers reviews, we invite media to to try our cook-at-home range, Uh, we do a lot on social, Uh, we do a lot of uh, digital campaigns to promote our uh, cook-at-home range. And do you find that there's a sort of, you know, when people come to
1: the restaurant and try the food, they then will look at at, at the cook-at-home range as well, so you're kind of doing your own promotion in a sense?
3: Yeah, yeah, we do. Well, we have a lot of regular customers who were thrilled when they knew that they could have uh, the same kind of product at home and cook it themselves. It's been very successful.
0: Have you had many Christmas parties cancelled this year?
3: Yeah, we've seen a lot of cancellations uh, coming through. We still see a lot of big groups and team gatherings, but yeah, a lot of cancellations. So, what are your expectations for 2023? Uh, we are a bit uh, cautious about, especially January and February, uh, but we are gearing up for that. So, we are putting a strategy in in place. We have the fortune of having the Kukatom range. So, if people cannot come to our venues, we have the online business. So, we will put more effort in in uh, whichever of the two uh, needs to be, you know, uh, working.
0: Guy, could you just sum up how you and the team are feeling right now, given, of course, all the challenges still out there?
3: Well, uh, we are a very strong team. We have to be very flexible um, at the moment, obviously, because there is a feeling of uncertainty. But we are keeping strong. We do a lot of staff incentives. We are uh, looking after our staff staff. And uh, we we try to mm, transmit a sense of stability because we've been facing so many challenges since two thousand twenty, and in a way or another, we always overcame, and we're still there. So I think this is a key um, a key feeling to transmit to the staff to stay strong and positive. So, yeah, we hope to see uh, some more people venturing back to the restaurants, uh, looking ahead. Uh, That's what we could hope for, really.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Gaia. Really appreciate you giving us a snapshot of what's happening at Ping Pong right now.
3: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: You're listening to Switch Your Money On from Hargreaves Lansdowne. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please do let us know what you think and do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you get a fresh new episode in your inbox as soon as it's ready. So let's bring in Emma Wall now, our Head of Investment Analysis and Research here at HL. She's been speaking
1: to Anna Farnborough at Asset Manager 91. Hi,
4: Anna. Hi. So we're talking today about experience and hospitality and the outlook for this sector as we look forward to 2023, where there is much expectation which we will, that we will have an economic slowdown at the very least and at worst a recession. So I thought we'd start by what, looking at what this, this sector adds to a portfolio before we get into the sort of the here and now. So what does hospitality and leisure add to an investment portfolio?
5: We like the sector because it's been a long-term growth story because people have spent more and more of their disposable income on travel and leisure, particularly as the costs of travel have come down over time with the explosion of low-cost airlines. However, many of the businesses that that operate in this sector are not that attractive in terms of profitability because if you think about hotels, they're quite low margin, they're very capital-intensive, Reasonably low barriers to entry because all you need is a building and then you fill it with customers. And that makes it hard to be very, very profitable. But what we do like, um, and you could say this is true of the airline sector too, we do like businesses that facilitate better profits for companies that are operating in the sector. So, for example, we like Intercontinental Hotel Group because it maximises the return on investments that hotel owners can generate So if you're looking to open a hotel, if you join the IHG group, you can take one of their brands or you can operate your own brand under their umbrella. And in return, they give you a lot of support, a booking system and even a template for how to get out the hotel. And you also get access to their customer base. So they have over 100 million customers on their loyalty program and you can get those customers into your hotel, fill up your hotel much more quickly than you would be able to if you're an independent brand and that generates much higher returns on the investment that you've made. So we like those businesses that take away some of the upfront
4: costs of starting up in this industry and make you more profitable over time. But this sector has been one that has been challenged in the last couple of years, hasn't it? So leisure, travel, hospitality. You know, you say about sort of stocks that you prefer within a sector, but we had the pandemic, which wiped out an entire sector altogether almost. It wasn't enough to be the best within a sector, the stocks that professionals like you like to select. But really, that hospitality, leisure, travel got completely wiped out during the pandemic, didn't it?
5: Yeah, it's been very challenging. And we really thought that we'd see a recovery last year. And then Omicron came along and wiped wiped out much of that recovery. So it's lasted longer than we all even imagined years ago. Having said that, IHG, because it's a very low-cost business model, very high margin, and amazingly, during the pandemic, in spite of revenues absolutely collapsing, they more or less generated a profit on a sort of underlying basis.
4: And what about the outlook then? Because as I started by saying, the economic outlook for 2023 is challenged. And when we do see... As we're seeing now, a cost of living crisis, a, a recession, the price of just your everyday items going up and up and up. That discretionary spend, which often is what fuels hospitality, leisure and travel, comes down and therefore the sector outlook becomes more challenged, doesn't it? I think you're right.
5: You know, Our assumption is that we're likely to see a consumer recession next year. And certainly people will cut back on discretionary spending. But travel and leisure is interesting because people haven't, they still haven't traveled as much as they used to. So in the last few months, you've seen people traveling at similar levels to before in Europe, certainly and the US. But much of Asia is still locked down. And Asia contributes about 20% of global travel. And that's probably still at half the levels that it used to be. China's obviously still pretty much locked down. And even in Europe, although you 've had you know a good recovery in recent months, the beginning of the year was really challenging because of omicron, so you still haven 't had a full year of recovered volumes and that means going into next year, although discretionary income might be lower and consumers are definitely going to be under pressure, there 's still some pent up demand on a you know on a volume perspective, and we also think if you see a recovery in Asian travel, that benefits those businesses which have Asian exposure, but it will also benefit European businesses because Asian travellers will travel to Europe
4: and then travel within Europe. Now, nothing is guaranteed, of course, but are there any other stocks within that sort of consumer discretionary bucket that you think are potentially robust going into 2023?
5: Yes, Amadeus, which serves a similar purpose to IHG, but in the airline sector and or predominantly airline sector. Amadeus provides the booking systems and all the IT um, solutions that sit behind an airline. Again, that's a, n- a nice position to be in because they've invested heavily in software, but their sort of incremental cost of operating is very low. So if they take on a new customer, there's very little incremental cost associated with that. And they can make airlines more efficient, which again, in a very competitive, challenging capital intensive industry, if you can squeeze out any profitability, that's, that's very compelling. And Amadeus, although they've had a fairly good recovery in Europe and the US, they haven't seen that recovery in Asia yet. So where you get weakness on, on parts of the globe, you should get a recovery next year as well. We don't think that's priced in at Amadeus. Um, and the other thing as well, which is an interesting angle, is that they built out in the last few years a booking system for hotels. So they now have another potential leg of growth, which is providing their booking software for hotel groups. You can customise your room booking. So you can choose whether you're far away from a lift or close to the stairs or have a certain view. And generally that tends to come with a price premium. So you can eke out a few more pounds with every booking. Anna, thank you very much. Thanks.
0: Well, that was Emma Wall, Head of Investment Analysis and Research here at Hargreaves Lansdowne, speaking to Anna Farnborough at Asset Manager 91. And please bear in mind that these are the views of the fund manager and are not individual stock recommendations. You're listening to Switch Your Money On from Hargreaves Lansdowne. And now it is time for the quiz. And as promised, I've been digging out some of the lesser known facts about hospitality
1: Oh, well, I suppose at least if they're lesser known, I've got a good excuse for getting none of them right. Well, you
0: never know. Okay, let's start with some of the more unusual hotel jobs around the world. Which ones of these are real and which have I made up? So, is there such a thing as a tanning butler? Is there a sleep concierge? Or is there a hawk wearer? <laughs> they all sound ridiculous. So, I reckon this
1: is another one of your trick questions. I reckon they're all made up.
0: Well, you're sort of right. It is a trick question, but that's because they're all real. honestly the tanning butler is at the Ritz Carlton in Miami Beach whose job it is to make sure everyone returns home with a good tan and anecdotally did you know that Glasgow was once crowned tanning capital of the UK in my past life as a business reporter I can vouch that definitely was because I was sent to cover the story live on TV from a health and beauty industry perspective of course and I ended up with my face a vastly different colour to the rest of me never a good look heading back on the plane like that I just wish I'd seen it. That sounds great. Anyway, back to the quiz questions. The sleep concierge is increasingly common as well and tends to be armed with an array of pillows, scented mist, snacks and relaxing tracks. And the falcon weighing is actually part of the daily routine of the falconer at Glen Eagles, because apparently overweight falcons don't fly. So there's a good nugget of general knowledge for you. Right. Next, we go up market to one of the most expensive hotel rooms in the world, Lover's Deep, which is actually a luxury submarine in St. Lucia with plenty of glass so you can enjoy watching marine life. But how much will one night there cost? Is it $1,750, $17,500, or $175,000 a, a <laughs> night? A night
1: well it 's bound to be ridiculously expensive, but surely nowhere is good enough to cost a hundred and seventy five thousand dollars a night so i 'm going to go for the middle one for seventeen and
0: a half thousand no i 'm sorry this one really does cost a hundred and seventy five thousand dollars a night. It better be good for that. I mean, you wouldn't want to sleep. You definitely would be disappointed. I mean, <laughs> I just still think, particularly if you didn't actually see any marine life floating past. Anyway, let's move on to restaurants. One of the most famous in social media terms of recent years has been Nazir, the home of Salt Bay. But in the London branch, how much will you pay for a giant tomahawk steak without any of the infamous gold leaf? Is it four hundred and thirty pounds? £530 or £630.
1: Well, I have to go for the top end here because I know it's so
0: expensive. So I'm going to go for £630. You are right. Although add a bowl of fries and it costs you another £9. They don't even throw in the fries for free. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Let's move on to pubs. The smallest pub in the UK is the Nutshell in Bury St Edmunds and is apparently the town's biggest tourist attraction. But how many of those tourists can they fit in at a time? Is it 5, 10 or 15? Oh, I've no idea. But, but then if it's the smallest, I should go for the smallest number. So, 5. No, you're wrong. It's 15. The building is 15 foot by 7, so it must be standing room only. And with that few customers, they have to hope everyone drinks fast if they want to make any money at all. <laughs> Do you know, it's, it sounds like I probably have more space if I stayed in my front room. Which is no excuse for missing the next Christmas do, remember?
1: (laughs) Promise, definitely not.
0: Okay, that's all from us for this time. But before we go, we do need to remind you that this was recorded on the 12th of December 2022 and all information was correct at the time of recording.
1: Nothing in this podcast is personal advice. You should seek advice if you're not sure what's right for you. Investments rise and fall in value so you could get back less than you invest. And past performance isn't a guide to the future. And this hasn't been prepared
0: in accordance with legal requirements designed to promote the independence of investment research and is considered a marketing communication. Non-independent research is not subject to FCA rules prohibiting dealing ahead of research. However, HL has put controls in place, including dealing restrictions, physical and information barriers to manage potential conflicts of interest presented by such dealing.
1: You can see our full non-independent research disclosure on our website for more information. So all that's left is for me to thank our guests, Gaia, Sophie, Emma, Anna, and our producer, Elizabeth Fotson. Thank you so much for
0: listening. Goodbye.